Revelation. I want to come back here because I believe that everything that God wants to bring us into the, I believe when we pray, I, I put it this way, when we pray thy kingdom come, we're praying conform us into the image of the king. The king only comes one way, within us. The kingdom of God is within us. And, and so we must understand, based off of what we reviewed and revisited even on Sunday, that as we now have a revelation of who he is, he gives us a revelation of who we are. Why? Because Jesus is actually, in a sense, our divine past. He came to restore to us who we lost. We didn't lose our child. We didn't lose our family member. We lost ourselves because we were originally made in the image and the likeness of God. Amen. The kingdom is the image and likeness of God. Let us make man in our image and likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, the fowl of the air, and the beast of the field. The only reason why man had dominion is because he looked like the God that created the earth. Amen. So heaven looked like earth because man looked like God. As long as man looked like God, earth had permission to look like heaven. But the moment that man sinned and stopped looking like God, the first thing God said was cursed is the earth. Why? Because the earth can't look like heaven if man don't look like God. Cursed is the earth. Thorns and thistles it shall bring forth. Amen. And so the, the, the conditions of the earth are a direct reflection of the unrighteousness of man. The ozone layer is depleting not because of gases. It's depleting because man is now went into and deviated from the, from, the, uh, from the righteousness of God. The further we go from God, the more confused creation becomes. And so now we have fall and winter. Creation is confused because the more we don't look like God, the less earth can look like heaven. And so when we look at the book of Revelation, we think it's God destroying the earth when it's actually man completely rejecting God. Therefore, the earth is destroyed. Amen. Once man completely rejects God, earth, there can be no more earth. And we'll get into that later. But I, I want us to understand that as we restore image and likeness in a region, when, when, that, when God begins to have a group of sons and daughters in a region that take on image and likeness and begin to be conformed into the image of Christ, he begins in that region to restore uh, geology and, and biology and, 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 and weather patterns. And you, you'll begin to see the grace of God. Amen. In a sense, in an essence, and a resemblance in that region of what God originally intended. Amen. And so I don't think that Darlington is going to see a drought for a long time. I think the farmers around here are going to be just fine. Because the fields have been waiting on the manifestation of something that's been happening right here. Been waiting on the manifestation of sons of God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The farmer may never thank us, 
but we understand. And so we, we deal with the book of Revelation. I'm going to go ahead and get started. We deal with the book of Revelation, and we understand that Revelation isn't about future events, but it reveals an identity. It is the revelation of Jesus Christ. It is not a revelation of the end of the world, although the end of the world is detailed, right? It is the revelation of a man. So you'll notice littered all throughout the first chapter over and over again, I am, I am, I am, I am. I am he who is faithful and true. I am he who was, is, and is to come. I am Alpha and Omega. I am he who stands in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks. I am he who has eyes like fire. I am he who has uh, uh, hair like wool. Is I am, I am, I am. Why? Because everything he's going to say to the church, he talks to the church after he says that. Everything he's going, everything the church is is based off of who he is. So it's the revelation of Jesus Christ. Amen. And, and so I'm going to look at Revelation chapter 1, verse number 7. We're going to talk about the coming of Christ. Understanding the coming of Christ from a kingdom perspective, right? Understanding the coming of Christ from a kingdom perspective. We're going to shift some stuff and challenge some stuff right here, right now, to bring us into a place where we can properly be ready when he comes. Hallelujah. Glory to the name of Jesus. We need a kingdom understanding of Jesus' coming. What does that mean? And, and I believe that there's some answers here. Revelation 1, verse number 7. And this will just kind of set up Sunday. This will set up Sunday. Revelation 1, verse number 7 says this. It says, Behold, he cometh with clouds, and every eye shall see him. And they also which pierce him. And all kindreds of the earth shall well because of him. Even so, amen. Verse 8. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the ending, saith the Lord, which is and which was and which is to come, the Almighty. I'm going to read verse number 11, just a, a, a portion of that because it replicates that, saying, I am Alpha and Omega, the first and the last. I'm going to read the latter part of verse 17. Fear not, I am the first and the last. Everybody say first and last. Everybody say Alpha and Omega. I am he that liveth and was dead. Father, we just thank you, and we bless you right now for the power of God that comes in a room by the grace of the wind and of the breath of God, your Ruach. We thank you for the grace of your Ruach in this room, even on this day, that, Lord God, something supernatural is it would break out in our midst, that we'll leave here marked by eternity. We just bless you and thank you now in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Would you put up that first slide for me? I'm going to start from there. 
and just share a couple of things with you about the coming of the Lord, about some things that we, I, I believe that we need to reconsider some of the postures we have about the coming of the Lord. Amen. And, and I believe that right from the beginning, Jesus wants to make sure he clears some things up about his coming. Amen. If you look at Revelation verse 7 and 8, I'm going to read it again. He says, Behold, he which cometh. He's talking about how he comes. Behold, he cometh. Everybody see that? He's talking about coming. He cometh with clouds. And every eye shall see him. Right? Um, now, if you skip down to verse number 8, he says, I am he which is which was and which is to come. Again, he deals with how he's coming. He com Verse 7, he comes with clouds. Verse 8, I am he who was, is, and what? Is to come. Everybody see that? So Jesus, first of all, is he who, I'm going to talk about that first, is he who, which was, he which is, and he which is to come. Everybody say was, is, and is to come. He, he is he who was, who is, and is to come. And I've, and I've touched this before, but I've, I feel like it's important for us to go back here. He's not just going to come back one day. He's the ever-coming one. Jesus doesn't come in one tense. He comes in three tenses. He is the one who came. He is the one who, who's, who's here, and he's the one who's going to come. All at the same time. I am he who was, is, and is to come all at the same time. Everybody understand what I'm saying? So Jesus comes in three tents, not just in is to come tents. He was and is, not just is to come. He was and is, not just is to come. He's not just coming back. He already came and he's here right now. See, and, and our problem is religion has taught us to wait one day, hold on, grit your teeth, go through the struggle, go through the mountain, come up the rough side of the valley, and, and one day he's going to come back and save us from all our torment. The problem with that is, is the fact that Jesus could actually be here, but we're still waiting on him to come. We're just waiting on him to come, and he's here right now. If we're just waiting on him to come, we're missing the him that's already here. I want to talk about the him that's already here. Many believers are disqualifying themselves from the presence of Jesus that is, only believing that he is to come, or only believing in the is to come tense of Jesus. If he's here and we don't worship the measure of him that's here, we cut ourselves off from encountering the measure of him to come. How can we now experience the hymn that's to come and we won't acknowledge the hymn that's here right now? Please hear, he is he who was, he is he who is, and he is he who is to come. If he's already here, please hear me, we don't beg him to come. We worship the measure of him that's here. And as we honor the measure of him that's already here, more of him will begin to come. See, if we don't acknowledge the God that's here, no more of him's going to come. 
Many believers never say, see the is to come tense of Jesus because we don't properly honor the is here tense of Jesus. The is to come tense of Jesus is only available to those who watch this sufficiently reverence the is here tense of Jesus. Now, everybody doesn't experience the coming of Jesus, although he came. Hey, matter of fact, he's coming right now. Matter of fact, he's going to come next next week. He's going to come next minute. He's going to come next tomorrow. He's going to come the day after that. And how much of him coming we experience hinges on how much of him that's already here that we're worshiping. So, so, so now this is what we got to understand. As long as we properly steward by way of, I would say, prodigal praise. And, and wild, untamed worship, the is-here presence of Jesus, will continue to encounter the is-to-come presence of Jesus. Amen? If we don't acknowledge the is-here presence of Jesus with worship and glory, the only reason why he's been coming, because we've been acknowledging he's here. And as our worship acknowledges he's here, we begin to experience him coming. My God, he came in the room. He didn't just come while we were sitting here with our arms closed, sitting here, or I'm sitting on the pew. He came while we were acknowledging the part of him that was here. And as we begin to bless the God that was here, the is-to-come presence of Jesus started to come and before you know it, glory has filled the room. God came because somebody worshiped the hymn that was here. So, so this is what we got to understand. As we acknowledge the glory that's here, glory will keep coming. As we acknowledge the freedom that's here, freedom will keep coming. Victory will keep coming. Joy will keep coming. Deep encounters with Jesus will keep coming. Hunger for Jesus will keep coming. Fire will keep coming. Come on. No, no, no. The only way it keeps coming is if we bless the God who's already here with it. We bless the God for the freedom we have now if we want more freedom to come. We bless God for the joy that's here right now if we want more joy to come. We bless God for the victory that's here right now. And so some people have to go every day trying to get a victory because they never properly honor the victory they got now. Amen. Hunger isn't something we got to get every day. It comes when we now bless God for the hunger he already gave us. Now, I'm going to say this, and, and I believe it's a blessing. I believe that we're called to experience a fresh coming of Christ every day. I believe every single day of our lives, we are to close our eyes saying he came. I believe every time we lay our heads on our pillows, we're supposed to lay our heads on our pillows with our hearts settled, declaring he came today by way of deep devotion, by way of uninterrupted communion. Glory be to God. See, what I'm trying to tell you is, is Jesus came today. Did you miss him? Glory be to God. Jesus is going to come tomorrow. Are you going to miss him? Jesus is going to come in the morning. Don't miss him. He's going to come in the evening. Don't miss him. He's here now. When you go to work, he's here now. When you come home, he's here now. When you wake up in the morning, he's here now. Amen? I believe if we don't experience him coming every day, we'll miss him when he does actually finally come. 
you don't you can't wait for him to come and miss all his comings and think you're going to be ready when he does come. Amen. He came today. Don't don't miss it. He's coming tomorrow. Don't miss it. I believe we're missing his comings because we're still wrapped in religion. We're still wrapped in the religion to say he's going to come back one day and save me from my misery. Amen. We can't acknowledge the presence of Jesus that's here without attracting the presence of Jesus that is to come. Jesus is he who was, is, and is to come. Amen. Everybody say was, is, and is to come. He also reveals himself or reveals something about himself and his coming in Revelation 1 and 7. He says this, and see, I, and, I, and I know I'm going kingdom, but I believe it, it should make sense to us. I believe our ears are ready to hear this. He says that he's coming with clouds. In Revelation 1 and 7, he says, behold, I come with clouds. That word with is the Greek word meta or meta, meaning with, after, behind, or amid. I come with after, behind, or amid clouds. He cometh with clouds, meta. Now, that word meta is the first time that word, it is actually a what we call in the Bible a primary preposition. That's the first time that word is mentioned all throughout the entire Bible. There is no root word for that word. That's the first time any word of that nature was ever mentioned, and it was first mentioned in the book of Revelation, so that word itself is a revelation. Most words have what they call an etymology. They have a root history where one word came from one word came from one word. This word just came in Revelation. Behold, I come meta, amen, with the clouds. So Jesus comes with after, behind, or amid the clouds. Now, I want to show you something here, and, I, and I'm praying we're kingdom enough to catch this. Put up that next slide for me. I'm, I'm going to put two verses side to side. He that hath an ear, let him hear. Now, if you look at Revelation 1 and 7, he starts out Revelation 1 and 7 saying what? Let's read that, those first two, four, five words together. Everybody ready? Revelation 1 and 7, it says what? Behold, he cometh with clouds. Right? Let's read that one more time. Behold, he cometh with clouds. Hebrews 12 and 1. Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great cloud of witnesses. Oh, I'm about to get into something. Now, now hold on, hold on, hold on. Uh, Revelation 1 verse 7. I'm praying that we can catch this. Behold, he cometh with clouds. And Hebrews 12 verse number 1 says, wherefore, seeing, he's talking about the now, the, he's now talking about the champions of faith. He's talking about all the faith line. If you read Hebrews 11 and 12, it talks about how Sarah believed and, and how, how now Abel believed and, and, and how Abraham believed and and, and he, he now closes that Hebrews 11 out started by Hebrews 12 saying wherefore seeing also also we are compassed about with so great cloud of witnesses Jesus comes with clouds and true sons and daughters of faith 
are referred to as clouds of witnesses. I'm trying to help you understand something about the kingdom right here. Jesus comes with clouds, and true sons and daughters of faith are referred to as a cloud of witnesses. He cometh with clouds, and we are a cloud of witnesses. Now, clouds in Revelation 1 is the Greek word nephila, and it means cloud. Cloud in Hebrews 12 is the Greek word nephos. Guess what it means? Cloud. It's just two different words that mean exactly the same thing. Jesus comes with clouds, and clouds are witnesses. I'm going to say that again. Jesus comes with clouds, and clouds are witnesses. Jesus comes with clouds, or he comes by way of his witnesses. Witnesses are the clouds by which Jesus comes. A lot of people say, well, Jesus entered into heaven with clouds, right? Did y'all see him in Acts? Did you, do you remember reading that after he now prophesied that, 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 that you shall be endued with power? The Bible says the disciples watched him ascend in a cloud. It was a real cloud. But how many understand that the earth and the heavens are connected to man in his image? So and now if the earth can now be affected by me, a man, if the wind can be affected by my sin or my righteousness, if the earth, then the clouds can too, then I can be a cloud. I'm praying that we finally got to a place where our ears can hear this. Witnesses are clouds by which Jesus comes. Witnesses, now let me talk about witnesses a little bit because religion has taught us that and it's been wrong. Witnesses aren't believers who witness for Jesus. They are believers through which men witness Jesus. Men witness who Jesus is by seeing witnesses of Christ. We're called to be witnesses. We don't witness Christ to the world. The world witnesses Christ by us. We make them a witness by being witnesses. When you encounter the saints, the witnesses, you now witness who Christ is in the earth or a measure of who he is in the earth. We are witnesses by way of image bearers. Witnesses who are clouds permit men who encounter them to witness a measure of Christ. Witnesses who are clouds permit men who witness them to witness a measure of Christ. How? Watch this. By being a cloud of witnesses and Christ comes in the clouds. I said Christ comes in the clouds. And we're a cloud of witnesses. Amen. Now watch this. I'm, I'm going to share a couple of things about clouds and Jesus coming in the clouds. You know, a cloud now in, in the natural, a cloud is a visible mass of condensed water. It's, it's a, a visible mass of condensed water vapor. Watch this floating in the atmosphere. Typically high above the ground. Most clouds now are in the atmosphere. It's water vapor that is condensed and gathered in the atmosphere high above the ground. Clouds are literally formless connections of vapor that we could say decorate the heavens. Why could we say clouds decorate the heavens? Because the only way we can look at clouds is by looking up to heaven. 
Anytime, glory be to God, clouds are in heaven. Anytime we want to look at clouds, we have to now look up to the heavens. We have to look up at heaven if we're going to see clouds. Amen. So when we're seeing clouds, we're also seeing the heavens. We are clouds of witnesses. When men look at us, they look at heaven. They can't look at us without looking at heaven. Well, glory be to God. Hallelujah. We are called clouds of witnesses. For Darlington to look at our worship is for Darlington to look at heaven because we are clouds. For Florence and Hartsfield to look at our passion in prayer is for Florence and Hartsfield to look at heaven because because we are clouds with every nation, kindred, tongue, and, and, and now and race looks at our hunger for the word, looks at our hunger for righteousness. They're looking at heaven because we are clouds. The only way you can look at a cloud is you look up to heaven. And God said, you are clouds of witnesses. You ever tell your neighbor we're a cloud of witnesses? How do we become clouds? By way of communion. And I'm going to talk about that in a minute. By way of communion, we become a cloud by which men must look at heaven to see us, just like men must look up to heaven to see clouds. Amen? Jesus comes with clouds. Jesus comes with clouds. We are a cloud of witnesses. Our worship is a cloud Jesus comes through. Our passion is a cloud Jesus comes through. Our prayer is a cloud that Jesus comes through. Jesus is coming to Darlington. Y'all know that? Through a cloud. Jesus is coming to Florence with clouds. Jesus is coming to Hartsville with clouds. Jesus is not coming without us. He's coming because of us. He's coming with the cloud. Coming with the clouds. He's coming with the clouds. He's coming with the clouds. We are a cloud of witnesses. He's coming with the clouds. And we're a cloud of witnesses. Amen? Now watch this. So a cloud becomes a cloud. How? How does a cloud become a cloud? By way of the atmosphere. By way of the atmosphere. Separate um, droplets of water. Watch this. Separate droplets of water who, that would be nothing by themselves collect due to the atmosphere. They collect due to the atmosphere and establish a communion called cloud. Cloud is actually separate droplets of water in communion. And that... <laughs> The communion of the droplets form a cloud. So a cloud is literally individual droplets in communion due to the atmosphere that they're in. See, what I need y'all to understand right here in this place, there is an atmosphere of adulation. There is an atmosphere of passion. There is an atmosphere of deep devotion. There's an atmosphere of prodigal praise for those who know how to go back that far. That when, when we have properly established that atmosphere, it causes us to literally inherit an atmosphere of communion and community. It, it causes us to inherit an atmosphere, I'm trying to help you understand what's happening, of communion and community. 
community where we're no longer individuals gathering in a building. We become a cloud of witnesses so that when people enter our church, they don't just enter into a building. They enter into a cloud. Glory be to God. You know what a cloud can do? A cloud can rain. So so what I'm trying to tell you is, uh, well, I'm going to say that again. You know what a cloud can do? A cloud can rain. A cloud can rain when it's ready to rain. Glory be to God. That's why unbelievers are clouds without rain. But when you get in a real cloud of people that really worship God, when they begin to lift their hands, it starts raining. When they begin to give God praise, it starts raining. When they begin to glorify God, it starts raining. When they begin to wave their flags, it starts raining. Because you didn't just come in a building, you came in a cloud, and we can rain when we want to. So, so now, what we got to understand is clouds carry the ability to release outpouring. They don't wait for one. You know how crazy it would be for a cloud to say God's sending an outpouring? I made you one. Well, you know how crazy it would be for a cloud to say God's sending the rain? I made you in the ability to now rain by your worship. And so now when people enter the building, they enter into or they come under a cloud for which it starts to rain. And they begin to say things like, I haven't felt this way. And I've not, I, I, I haven't felt this way in years. I felt something freeing me. I felt something deep down in my heart. That's because you didn't come in a building. You came into a cloud of witnesses, a bunch of people who have now, by the lifting of their hands, can demand rain to fall. Some L line. Some people that know how to call down. When I worship, it rains. God. When I praise God, it rains. Every time I pray, it rains. Every time I worship, it rains. Every time I look at the Bible, it rains. Every time I quote a scripture, it rains. As clouds, we dictate outpouring by our adoration. We can rain when we want to. Y'all want to feel the rain? Let's bless him. Come on. Y'all want to feel the rain? Let's lift up our voice. Y'all want to feel the rain? Let's begin clapping. Y'all want to feel the rain? Only clouds without rain can't rain when they want to. Read the book of Jude. There are believers that are clouds without rain. Amen? Watch this. Somebody shout, let it rain. Somebody shout back, well, go ahead and rain then. <laughs> Look, I, I've been, man, we've been living in the rain for two and a half years. I don't know if it's been dry for you, but it ain't stopped raining on me yet. I feel like Charlie Brown, that cloud. You remember the old, the old Charlie Brown cartoons where the person who was sad, they would have the storm just raining on them and they'd be talking to everybody else. And everybody else would be in sunshine, but they would be under the cloud raining and it'd be lightning. 
I feel the same way, but it's exactly opposite. It's the joy. I don't, I don't care if you dry or not, it's still raining. I don't care if you respond or not, it's still raining. I don't care if you get with it or not, it's still raining. It don't matter, it's still raining. I'm a So, so clouds rain when they want to. We're not just waiting for an outpouring. We have now authority to now release one by way of being witnesses. There's a cloud of witnesses. Now watch this. I'm going to take clouds a little bit, little bit further. Clouds are, sh- are, are a shapeless collection of vapor which have no definitive form. I'm going to say that again. Clouds are a shapeless collection of vapor which have no definitive form. That ought to make you shout right there because that will help you to understand why we've been now getting rid of forms, why we've been coming out of systems. I'm going to say it again, and maybe it will connect this time. Clouds are shapeless, co- are a shapeless collection of vapor which has no definitive form. If we attempt to rely on a form, we disqualify ourselves from being a cloud. Jesus comes with clouds. He does doesn't come with forms. Y'all ain't hear what I'm saying. I can't tell, you can't sit up there and tell me a form has a system. You can't tell me a cloud has a form. You can't tell me a cloud has a shape. A cloud is just a cloud. Whatever ministry form we attempt to implement, Jesus won't come through. Forms are so popular, and the reason why forms are so popular, because the enemy knows that as long as we're functioning in forms, we cannot be clouds. And and so now he'll allow us through our forms to reach a goal, but Jesus never comes. So now we paid off the building, and we reached our goal, but Jesus never came. We bought the land, and we got the land, but Jesus never came. The devil is not intimidated by us reaching goals. The devil is intimidated by clouds because he knows Jesus comes in clouds of witnesses. Where it's raining, the Lord is coming. Amen. Clouds have no definitive form. No two clouds are exactly alike. That's why the enemy works so hard into making us believe we have to implement forms and systems, programs and strategies that we must commit to and we must stick to if we're going to now do ministry properly. Glory be to God. But I'm here to tell you right now, he is the good shepherd. Now, do you hear what I'm saying? I'm going to tell you, that leadeth you, though uh, he is the good shepherd, uh, uh, that leadeth me through the valley of what? He doesn't lead me around it. He leads me through it. You know why he's a good shepherd? You know, we got it all wrong. We're trying to make him like a man. But he came as a man, but he's really God. A good shepherd gets in front of you and turns and now leads you from in front. But he's a good shepherd. No, a natural good shepherd will get in front of you and make sure they don't leave you behind. But Jesus gets inside of you. Y'all hear what I'm saying? I'm the good shepherd. I'm not going to leave you because I'm in you. And I'm going to steer you by your instinct. I'm going to steal you by your inclinations. I'm going to steal you by your thoughts. As you yield to me as a sheep, I'm the good shepherd. I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. Even when you turn right, when I told you to go left, I'm still here. I'm the good shepherd. He's not in front of us. He doesn't lead like that. He's inside. Come on, somebody shout, he's inside of me. He's the good shepherd. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. 
Y'all should know how good he is. Remember the times when you went the other the wrong way? And then you, you started wondering, God, are you still with me? And when you begin to cry out to God, you figured out he was right there. When, when you took the wrong step, when you he told you to do one thing and you did something else because you wanted to be stubborn, because you wanted to have your way, because you wanted to get in your feelings, and you start looking around saying, God, where are you? And you hear this still small voice telling you, I'll never leave you nor forsake you, but I am with you. He's the good shepherd. He's not in front of me. He's inside of me. He's not in front of you. He's inside of you. He leads from the inside out. Hey, he's been good to me. You'll go wrong when he told you to go right. And then when you get in the mess because you went wrong, the good shepherd will tell you how to get yourself out of it. Anybody ever had the good shepherd after you did something you weren't supposed to do tell you what you need to do to get it right? He's the good shepherd. He's not in front of me. He's inside of me. And as I learn how to be more as I learn how to be more focused on what's going on inside of me than I am focused on going on what's around me, I learn how to be a sheep to my shepherd. If my shepherd is in here, why am I spending all my time looking out here? I need to pay more attention to here. This is where my shepherd is. Some of us can't be led because we're looking in the wrong place. We're too enamored by the things we see. Uh, tell your neighbor, my shepherd's in me. Man, I, I, that's good to me. I, I could tell you some testimonies, but I wonder if y'all still call me an apostle. Hallelujah. Bless his name. That was too hard to get that jacket off. That was too much. I, I'm a, if, if I keep on going, I'm going to need two armor bears, one for each arm. We're not going there. This guy, something got to stop. Shanda de That doggone key lime cake. And I said I wasn't going to eat it. Lay down in the bed and got a quickening. That taste hit my tongue. Went and got a piece of cake. And then when I heard the kids come, they came and I said, I tried to hide and act like I wasn't going to eat no cake because they talking about how fat I'm getting. And then went back to bed. I said, Lord, I'm, you're the good shepherd. <laughs> you got to lead me another way, Lord. You're the good shepherd. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. All right, now, watch this, watch this, watch this. Revelation 1, verse 8, watch this. It, it says here now, look at what he says. He's revealing uh, his nature, which tells us who we are. Amen? He's revealing who he is, which tells us who we are. 
we don't look at Jesus separate as us. We look at Jesus as um, him who is one with us. Amen. As I, as he's revealed to me, I'm revealed to you. Amen. So look at Revelation one and eight. He, he goes on to reveal something else. There's so much he reveals in Revelation 1. This is all I could touch, but it'll set me up for Sunday. It says in Revelation 1 8, I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the ending, saith the Lord, which is and which was and which is to come, the Almighty. Now, I already dealt with the first part. What I want to deal with, the, I mean, the latter part, but I want to deal with the first part. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. Jesus also says he's Alpha and Omega in verses 11 and 17. So three times he reemphasizes that point, a total of three, amen, to help us to understand that this is something he really wants us to understand. Jesus is Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the ending of what? He can't be talking about himself. Because he has no beginning and ending. He's, he's eternal. He'll never end and did nothing begin him. He is uncreated life. Amen? So Jesus is Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the ending of what? Go ahead. Watch this. Jesus is the beginning and ending to beginnings and endings. I'm going to help you understand it in a minute, but I just want that to sink in for a minute. Jesus is the beginning and ending of beginning and endings. See, what we got to understand is God didn't began man. God created man at the beginning. I'm going to say that again. God didn't begin man. God created man at the beginning. When God created man, he breathed into man uncreated life called Ruach. Y'all know that, right? The breath that he breathed into him had no beginning and end. That was God. Spirit life, Ruach, has no beginning nor ending. It just is. God never intended for man to be trapped in a realm of beginnings and endings. That's why Adam was born a man and not a baby. You know why God, why Adam was born a man and not a baby? Because Adam had no beginning. He just was. How do you come be a day old and be able to work in a garden? Unless you have no beginning. Y'all act like he, do, he, he didn't go through diapers. There was no beginning until he sinned. And Adam was never supposed to face an end called death. He never would have if he would not have sinned. Adam had no beginning or ending. He just was. Because he had uncreated breath, ruach on the inside of him. So Jesus reveals himself in Revelation, watch this, as Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the ending. He's eternal. He's not the beginning. He's not talking about him having a beginning and an ending, right? right? He's the beginning and ending of us being trapped in a dimension called beginning and ending. He's the beginning and ending to deliver us from beginnings and endings. And gives us back a reality called is. As we enter into the kingdom, everything we are and all that we are connected to is delivered from beginnings and endings. The joy we have, y'all missing it, is delivered from beginnings and endings. My joy just is. Yes. Yes. 
it has no beginning, so you can't figure out where it started and stop it. And it has no end, so you have no weapon to make it stop. See, no, see, that's as we enter into the kingdom, the victory that we have is delivered from beginning and ending. Our victory just is. I cannot be defeated because my victory has no beginning and my victory has no ending. Our faith is delivered from beginning and ending because our faith just is. Get, let me help you out there. Our marriage is delivered from beginning and ending because our marriage just is. Oh, can I go this way? Our health is delivered from beginning and ending. Our health just is. Our fire is delivered from beginning and ending. Our fire. Why, where are you, what are you going to be doing 30 years from now burning? How can you still burn 30 years from now? Because my fire has no beginning and my fire has no ending. How can you still want God more today than you, like you did 15 years ago? Because I found out I got delivered from beginning and ending. My faith was delivered. It just is. My joy just is. My peace just is. My victory just is. My smile just is. Why? Because he's Alpha and Omega. He's the beginning and the ending. And he brought me back to the place of beginning and end, no, no beginning and no ending. Called Ruach. Being born of the wind. See, what, this is what we don't understand. What's happening right now in your life has no beginning and ending. It just is. I'm trying to help you understand we're in another dimension right now. What the outpouring that's happening in this church has no beginning and ending. It just is. The revival that's broke out in here has no beginning and ending. It just is. How could you say that? Because he's alpha. And he's Omega. He's the beginning and end of beginning and endings. All I know is I just is. I just is victorious. I just wake up in the morning and I is ready to tackle the day. I just is. I just is grateful. I just is thankful. I just is blessed. I just is favored. I just is energetic. I just is. How can you keep going? I don't know. I can't give you 10 steps to live like this. I just... There is no formula for this. I just is. Adam can't tell you how he got born. How could you be born a man? Nicodemus, you should have known. You ain't read your Bible. Now you done studied Genesis all those years and don't realize a man can be born? How can a man be born? Adam was. Nicodemus, you're not as astute as you think you are. From the beginning, man was born a man, and God is delivering this house from end beginnings and endings, and he's bringing us into a realm that releases is. So what I'm telling you is there are people that are going to come in here that have been on crack for 30 years, and they're just going to be is free. And I'm like, what? how in the world could you smoke crack for 30 years and you just is free? There's prostitutes that's going to come in here that's been prostituting for 25 years and they just is delivered from fornication. They just is victorious. They just is healed. How in the world? You've been paralyzed for 45 years. How can you get up in the, out of that wheelchair? Just is. There's an is realm because God found a cloud of witnesses who are worshiping and raining down his... 
See, some of you don't understand it, and some of you are going to get, be very offended because people are going to come here and be, and just is be what you're trying to work yourself into. You're trying to get a plan to get there, and they're just going to be is. You're going to try to, you're going to, try to put together a plan to develop hunger. And they're just going to is be hungry. I'm telling you right now, you're going to be real offended if you still try to, to, to function in an Old Testament for, format and God has released us into a New Testament reality called is. He is Alpha and Omega. He is the beginning and ending of beginning and endings. He ended our ending. I'm going to say this again. He ended endings. There's no such thing as an ending for me. There's no such thing as an ending for you. The joy you have today, there's no, such, there's no end to it, if you would get it. The, the, the peace you have today, there's no end to it. The love you have in your marriage, there's no end to it. You're going to love your boo. You're going to be attracted to your boo. You're going to want your boo. You're going to want to hold their hand, kiss them on the cheek. That just is. You're not going to want to praise one week and lose your praise the next. That's just is. You're not going to want to serve one month and want to sit down the next. That just is. Come on. If you ever worry about where um, Apostle Mir is going to be, you ain't got to worry about it. This is his. I did not work myself to become how I am. I did not develop and follow a map to become who I am. I did not get this consistency by studying people who are consistent. Yes. All I know is whether in the body or out of the body. All I know is, and when I was in my office, I got caught up in some stuff. My, I got all I know. All I know is when I'm riding in my car, I get caught up in some stuff. And all I know is I step out the car, and it just is. How did you change your your leadership style so much? Did you study leadership styles? No. All I know is one day while I was on my face, is happened to me. The bondage of expiration is broken off of us by way of Christ. We're, we are now living in a realm where expiration does not exist. Whatever God is giving you in this season is. Whatever's happening in your heart is. Whatever God is renewing your mind is. The strength you're receiving is. The victory that you raise up in is. There is no backslide. Come on. He is Alpha and Omega.
He is the beginning and the ending. A nation is about, we're about to see a nation get born in a day. We're now, what I'm trying, I'm trying to help you understand what's happening right now so we don't act, treat it like another teaching. There's permission tonight to see stuff get born in a day. I'm telling you, there's people that's going to come in here in tattoos, and next month they're going to be prophets. And the only people that'll be mad are people who follow lists. I'm telling you, this is going to be a different time for us. You, you're not going to get there without an is moment. We don't need another book. We don't need another principle. We need is moments. Man. Well, we're just late before the Lord, and all I know is is happened. And my heart what ain't what my heart used to be. And my mind isn't what my mind used to be. Is happened. There's a permission to grab is's. There's permission to receive is's. He's Alpha and Omega. There is a beginning from our ending. I'm going to say that again. You know how he ends beginning and ending? He starts us from our ending. He's the firstborn from the what? Dead. He's the firstborn from what? The dead. And I'm going to talk about that too. It, it, it shares that about him. He's the firstborn from what? The dead. He turned the grave into a womb. The grave is no longer a place to be buried. The grave is the place you are birthed from. N Notice he didn't say you start from death, you're born from death. When did Jesus die? When he was how old? How, lo how old? Well, look here. Y'all, I'm taking everybody. We got to do some facts. 33 years old. He started his ministry at 30 years old. He had a three and a half year ministry. He was crucified at 33 and a half years old. Right? So when he died, what was he? Born. How was he born? A man. How was Adam born from the beginning? Where did he rise from the dead at? In a garden. What is he helping us understand? He's helping us understand many of the things we say we got to go through to be mature. We don't have to go through to be mature if we would just understand the revelation of Christ. If we would stop trying to do it by laws and lists and actually surrender to a worship posture that brings us into a realm where is can happen. He rose in a garden. He was born in a garden. Because man fell in a garden. The only reason why man ever had to put diapers on is because man fell in the garden. We were supposed to be born men. I got the feeling we're getting back to a realm where men are going to be born men. We're not going to have to babysit this next crop that's coming in. They're going to be born men. 
there's permission again to birth men and not, no longer go back to the elementary doctrines. Amen? I'm, I'm just going to pray. Hallelujah. 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 Come on, let's just begin to testify that he's Alpha and that he's Omega. Come on. Come on, God, you're, uh, Jesus, you're Alpha and Omega.